glad to have you here. I'm Lee Henson Hasty. I'm with the Committee on Theological Education um, at the Presbyterian Foundation, uh, the Senior Director for Theological Education Funds Development. And I'm here with my good friend, uh, Roger Gensch. We were having a great conversation the last 10 minutes. And, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. We're not going to try to recreate it, but um, I'm just going to say glad you're here, Roger. And um, let me just do a brief introduction because we're, I know, five minutes in here. Uh, I also have the Leading Theolo the Theologically podcast. Uh, and um, you are a theological leader. You lead theologically with your life as pastor for um, decades, almost decades at New York Avenue and 17 years at, I guess, 17 years at New York 17 Avenue. 17 years at New York Avenue, 12 in Baltimore. 12 in Baltimore at Browns Memorial, where you... Also, at the same time, we're writing these books, Theology from the Trenches, and this new one we'll use to talk about today um, that helps inform this question. Our topic, finding the energy to move forward. You, uh, it gives, you are a community organizer. You're an activist. The, the second book, The Cross-Examine, is about uh, that you lead um, and you work together. Some may remember in Baltimore that, uh, that about the living wage that was passed there. And that was part of the work that Roger was a part of. Um, and we're certainly grateful for that. Um, what is the work your soul must have, Roger? I'm wondering, and, and I hope uh, uh, you can hear me okay. <laughs> yeah, I can. I think you keep uh, freezing a little bit. I don't know whether that's my internet connection or yours, but I'll just keep going. How about that? So, yeah. Yes. What, um, so I have been um, uh, consumed with community organizing and the contemplative for uh, almost 30, 30 years. Well, the community organizing, to be sure, for 30 years, maybe um, the contemplative life for 27 and bringing those two together has taken taken a while, and um, they they came together for me in the theology of the cross, um, or what I call the political theology of the cross. It is an alternative way of looking at the cross. It doesn't it doesn't sidestep um, uh, atonement theories that are traditional, but it actually I, I think it actually pokes holes in the um, in the traditional atonement theories um, because because they are not political as 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 a whole. Um, the moral influence gets the most, you know, classic, um, the classic or Christus Victor, as they call it sometimes, but they're, they're, they're way too abstract and they're way too personalized. So I do, I do what I call the political theology of the cross, which is I take, I take, uh, I take my point of departure from uh, Hemingway's, the world breaks everyone, then some grow strong with the broken places. I think Hemingway got that wrong, slightly wrong. Mm. The world crucifies all of us. But God in Christ is always, always seeking to bring life and resurrection out of those cruciform places. So, so the broken places in life is where God is the most active. And that's where community organizing is the most passionate. So we, you know, dur during the, uh, the period where we so were it's going, alive, It's going toward the pain and the conflict. And absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and, and particularly in the community and not alone. And not alone. You, you go as a community, but you know you, but but your contemplative life has to be framed around that. 
Mm-hmm. So, so typically, you know, the, 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 well, this is in part, I don't think it's a critique of traditional contemplative. It is a reframing of it um, that typically the contemplative starts with, 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 with uh, getting, you know, the individual right or, or at least, at least focusing on discernment for the individual and uh, what I found in the theology of the cross is a different approach to that. And that is, is that, you know, when, when, when you contemplate the cross or the crucifixions that litter the landscape of the world and your own life, then you're automatically moving um, in the direction of the cruciform places in the world. And so that's where community organizing comes in for me. So what, what we were talking those, about... Those become, those the community organizing and those the issues, whether it be living wage or right. uh, addressing racial issues, or I know you've been a part of this in terms of educational inequities, it's going into those literally those crucibles of, right. of and and working there together um, uh, and seeing those as 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 places where the world is being crucified. Is that how you? Well, well yes, and our profound connection with it, not only just in complicity with it, because we are, but it's a deep connection in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, um, the, I mean, the brokenness of racism is obviously, it's obviously broken, Mm -hmm. broken me too. I mean, you know, Resma Manicum talks about white racial trauma in addition to black racial trauma. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, I don't acknowledge it because of whiteness, Whiteness is this insidious thing that um, that tries to not only forget; it brings amnesia, it brings it brings forgetfulness in all that we do. But you know, um, but but the you know the the the, the awaken the awakening that the cross brings um, is an awareness of not only my complicity in the brokenness of the world, but that where one is broken, I am broken. Right. Or as you know, I, I think one of the probably one of the most profound quotes that I've ever read comes at the end of uh, James Cone's Cross and the Lynching Tree, when he says, "When whites lynched black people, they were lynching themselves, their sons, and their daughters." Wow. And so you know, that's that's my point of departure, because right. I think when we you know, so 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 we shouldn't be getting in, engaged by racism because we think. It's it's a um, it's an issue that we should address. We should be engaged in racism because we are all deformed by it. Right. Profoundly. Right. And and to the extent that we to the extent that we don't see that is 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 the extent that we need the cross Mm -hmm. to 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 expose that for for us. Friend, um, the book, the book that Roger's talking about, we put into the stream over here a link so you can learn about that. Um, right. Most recently published with uh, Withenstock, um, also his book on theology and the trenches um, with Westminster John Knox. He's also the the some folks don't realize the editor now, an interim editor. Thank you for bringing your leadership to the Presbyterian Outlook on these next few months, and alongside Jay Blossom, I think it's a great. Uh, this is a great opportunity, and I know you'll be bringing um, to bear authors and um, that will be helpful. I mean, the kind of connections you have. Not, 
even in your own house, your wife, who is a New Testament theologian, <laughs> Francis well, Taylor. Yeah. She's, she's also my editor. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> y- y- should know, I mean, my, Elizabeth and I look up to Roger and Francis as, as couples who live in the church in the academy, not wanting one without the other, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you've, you've got to connect the two. And I mean, that's kind of what, you know, our kind of passion is is bringing the academy into the church. And, right. um, you know, when I when I did my graduate work, I, I initially wanted to teach. And then, you know, it just wasn't happening and the, the jobs weren't there. And I kind of backed my way into the church. And uh, but what I found was was that that lay folk want to be engaged by by stuff that's going on in the academy. One hundred percent. 100%. And so, and so that's where I've spent my life. That's what I've spent my life doing that. But, um, but also, but, but it's, it's not just anything in the academy. It's the stuff like James Cone. Sure. It's the stuff that, um, that really, um, that really engages us and liberation theologians, feminist theologians that really engage our activism right. and will not let us off the hook that disrupt um, who we are and how we think. And that's the big thing that the cross, that's why the theology of the cross, I've become so passionate about it because, because it, it seems to me properly understood um, that the, theology, the cross is, is meant to disrupt our vision of the way things are. You know, if, if, if I could just do a little bit of a, a hist- historical piece on that. Let me tell people, I mean, why? So, I mean, some folks, some of those pastors may already be thinking about Lent and they think, hey, this is a Lenten theme. Roger is doing a class right now, the politics of Advent and Christmas. Absolutely. This is not just a Lenten theme, right? This is not just an Easter theme. This is um, this is where you, you, you are seeing the world more broadly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um, you tell us why it matters. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you 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 look at the infancy narratives, and actually, Francis is going to do a thing for a second on uh, it's on on Zoom, by the way. If you want to <laughs> you want to plug into it on uh, at at Second Presbyterian on on Sunday on the politics in Richmond, of, uh, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the politics of the infancy narratives. But you you take the slaughter of the innocents and Herod and the flight to Egypt. What could be more political than that? <laughs> right. I mean, this is this is crucifixion or crucifixion, right? right? Foreshadowing. And, I mean, it's it's pretty it's obvious. Foresh- it's foreshadowing a life that was lived among the crucified, and so Jesus, Jesus, that's what he did, and that's and he and and he died the way he lived. Mm-hmm. He died resisting the principalities and powers of the earth that crucify us, mm-hmm. and so um, that's kind of the that's kind of the message for ministry for me. So that can't, you, you know, the, the, uh, the Christmas doesn't get off the hook, right? It, it Let me pause there. Let me pause there. I think that's really important is, okay, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to say it as beautifully as you just did, but the sort of ministry for you is being with, alongside, um, maybe it's, it's more about compassion. It's, emp- it's empathy. It's, it's suffering with those who are suffering, Right. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, that well, it is. It, it, it is all of that and more in the sense that it is a I mean, I'm more and more. You know, I grew up Southern Baptist and I mean, we were all about conversion. Right. right. And ever since then, becoming Presbyterian, we're all about process, you know, and, yes. and formation. Right. We can be so much about formation that we forget conversion. Right. And Paul's conversion came around, you know, how in the world 
could a Messiah be crucified? Right. And he comes out of that as a theologian of the cross. And what and, and the best read, I think, on that is that it's like awakening from a nightmare. And so you see the crosses that litter the landscape of the world. And so he says to the to the Corinthian church, I, I, I claim to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. And he went further than that with the Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. I myself no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. In essence, that's saying in my interpretation that I am I am not only one with the crucified of the earth, I am crucified with them mm-hmm. and co-risen with them. So that's, that's, that's baptism. That's baptism. That's right? absolutely baptism. And it's and it's this. But the power of it mm-hmm. and what gives me energy is, um, you know, in, in a pandemic era, in a racially in a racial uh, racial uh, reckoning and a political reckoning is is that, you know, if, if, if we don't walk through this, ignoring it. Then, then we have the one of the best opportunities in any of our lifetimes mm-hmm. to be changed by it, and to and and for our churches right. to be changed by it. Mm-hmm. And this can be a conversion moment for the church, and it can wow. be an energy giving moment because yeah. you know, you know, Francis and I just watched. I, I was so blessed. Uh, New York Avenue Church. We had uh, uh, Brian Stevenson come in. Right. Oh, wow. And so and just uh, just Just mercy. mercy. So we had not seen the movie. We just watched it last night. Oh, just a remarkable movie. But did you see at the very end of that movie, they had the real Brian walking out of a courtroom with one of his clients who was uh, unjustly imprisoned on death row for 30 years. And if you look at the look on his face, it is it is unspeakable joy yeah and to me that's the joy that we need to be mm-hmm. lifting up at christmas is the joy of liberation amen for for people long oppressed mm-hmm. and who, whose voices as the creed goes have long been silenced amen uh, that we can give voice to that is um is that we can be about we can be about in solidarity and giving voice, voice to people is the most powerful energizing reality that we can be a part of well it's because of the the constant feed of bad news and difficult things and you can't do everything it it i would say most who are listening and most pastors we know and most church folks they are comfortable with going to be going to be at that bedside in the hospital going to be at that protest going to be at that city council meeting you know what have you be, being you know um, with the mar- those who are marginalized what have you helping fight for that cause but what you're giving me hope here is like don't give up now i mean this is <laughs> cuz it's not going to get it's it's it's, it's going to continue to be hard in the midst of this this pan- the, the multiple pandemics that are happening this is an opportunity to use that energy as energy that energy of crucifixion that we're feeling and resurrection resurrection i yeah. mean don't, don't the joy that you're talking on the face of brian stevenson that's what you're saying is keep that in mind we're going there that's, you know, we're not there yet but it's connecting deeply to those broken places on the assumption that god is bringing resurrection right there so talk about the contemplative practices because that's not just a mind that's not just a mindset it's sort of a heart that's a whole 
I mean, how do you, there's some contemplative practices that you recommend to get you there. And what right. Well, there's two of them that I recommend. One is the cross-examine from which the title of the book comes, which is a variation on the uh, daily examine of, of the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius. And I am a devotee of those exercises. It doesn't mean I mastered them. It just means I've, I've been with them for almost 25 years now. Wow. Um, and, um, but I've also been with Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, Buddhist breath prayer. So the other one is breath prayer. I call them both the cross-examine and cruciform breath prayer. But both of them, both of them uh, um, uh, work on the assumption that there are cruciform elements that are going on in my own life. There's anger, there's grief, there's deep grief, there's, um, right. there's uh, I mean, you know, anger is probably chief among them, but there's, there's, there's residuals, there's a residual anxiety about, um, about who we are and, you know, and, in the world and our connectedness with the world that have, um, that has been, com- that is either potential or potentially complicit or complicit with the brokenness of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the prayer process. So it's not just doing, it's not just doing a personal prayer, although it is personal. Um, it's a, it's a personal prayer that deeply connects with the brokenness deeply connects me with the brokenness of the world and then moves me to act and gives right. me a vision for it and gives me right. and, and opens my eyes to it. It's like, it's like the awakening. It's like the awakening of the, of the nightmare. You know, you know, my, my, one of my teachers, Doug Gotati helped me, helped me unpack. Um, uh, this is highly relevant for this time of the year when uh, Christmas Carol is on and how many different versions um, but my my teacher helped me unpack that story uh, as a conversion story, you know that the trip the the, um, the triple nightmares are what some people call. Um, in fact, um, you know um, uh, 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 Mary Solberg uh, Mary Solberg talks about them as cruciform knowledge, which is a waking up from a nightmare. Okay. It's 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 like it's, it's like. It's like an awakening where I actually am am beginning to see the crosses that litter the landscape of the world. Mm. So I'm not walking through the world. I'm not sleepwalking through the world or I'm not walking through forgetfully of of all the stuff that is out there. Now, some people may look at that and say, no, that's that's not not only way too rigorous, but that's way too um, rigorous. What's the word? Dark, dark, whatever. Right. I was going to say people are comfortable sort of naming their blessings or giving thanks for all these things um, but, you know, as a prayer. But what you're saying is that gratefulness is also, you know, it's not really gratefulness, but it's naming out loud. And I guess you do it daily is naming right. those places where crucifixion is happening. Well, but you're also naming them on a grand assumption. Mm-hmm. That resurrection is happening at those right, places. Sure. That God is that 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 God is a God of life, right? And, and God brings life to those to those uh, those um, those dry bones. Mm-hmm. And you know, as Paul said, the, the same the same the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will bring life to your mortal bodies. And I mean, some people just read that personally as as oh God will give me a blessing. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> it's at those cruciform spots. Uh, where with, when we stand in solidarity with people, we do it on the assumption that Brian St- Stevenson did. 
right that, that right. there is something going on here that is that is beyond me and right. beyond my life-giving power yet i can i can lend i can lend my spirit to it on the assumption that god is bringing life in these places in big and small ways and just the connectedness Mm-hmm. Is 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 in some ways the big way because you know we talked about the living wage campaign earlier, you know connecting to low income workers was one of the most um, important things in my life and you know um, uh, finding out how you know how people try to create a life when you're on a minimum wage right. and you know that's still with us right oh yeah I mean more maybe more now than than ever wealth inequalities are definitely wealth inequalities are, but you know we 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 pat ourselves on the back that we're creating minimum wage jobs. Those are poverty creating jobs. Those are keeping people um, mm-hmm. in poverty. And most, almost most of those jobs do, do not have health care. Right. So, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of universal health care too, but I, I'm fine with whatever, you know, Biden wants to put in place and trying to reconstruct Obamacare. But I mean, anything that would, that would, that would enable people, to create a life when you know, you know, so many Americans are just eking by, or are having to take two or three jobs, right? Just, just to survive. And then the worst part about it is, if you've got two or three jobs, you can't give your time to your children, right? Right? Yeah. Your church or anything. Your church. Else. This is what pastor I'm hearing is just. There's so much fatigue. I mean, there, we were talking about a colleague of Elizabeth today who has three children, two twins that are toddlers, you know. I mean, how, and she's teaching. How in the, I mean, how? <laughs> you know, right, right, right. I know. I mean, it, and and I think one of the difficulties with the pandemic, with this, with the, the coronavirus is uh, we found, and we're having to be a little bit more creative. I'm sure pastors out there too and church leaders is, you know, figuring out how to be present, how to be in solidarity with those folks. You know, normally I'd say, hey, I come, I'll come do childcare for you <laughs> so y'all can go have an evening together, you know, or something like that. But it's, 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 it's got to be a little more creative right now. Um, it does. And yeah. how you do this, but it's, it's definitely possible. Um, and this well, is, you- a, this is a time to learn and grow and be ready. I mean, this, I mean, the theologian in residence, work you're doing at second, this work with the outlook, it's an opportunity to read a book, you know, I mean, to get ready for, you know, what's next too. Well, I think the, um, I mean, the blessing of, if, if there's a blessing, there's no, there, I wouldn't, I, I don't even want to call it a blessing. The, um, what has enabled us to do in a pandemic is actually uh, take some time to actually reflect on some of this stuff. So for example, I just finished a wonderful book study at Second Presbyterian Church on uh, on Elizabeth Johnson's Quest for the Living God, where she reviews in 10 chapters um, the revolution in theology that's taken place. Um, you know, Latinx theology, black theology, feminist theology, theologies of the cross, ecological theologies. Uh, and I've just named a few. Uh, one a week for 10 weeks. Wow. And, and we had uh, 12 people uh, go through that on Zoom. And for all of us, it was a kind of a life-changing thing. Yeah, I'd read the book before and actually did it when I was at New York Avenue uh, Church. Uh, but this was a remarkably different experience because, because you know, the collective, the collective uh, conversation on what we need to be and do as a church in light of this. 
And, uh, you know, and it can, that, that can be a transformative. 100%. That should be the, this moment of transformation for who we are as church, because well, we, we do have this opportunity. Well, I'm convinced I started just, uh, I was, I kind of came kicking and screaming to Facebook Live <laughs> in the podcast kind of world. But I think it's because people want to listen, learn, and be introduced to new people, find some meaningful things to read and, um, and engage with, um, listen and learn. And that's what you're, you've done with us today. I can't believe our time's already up. Sorry, we had the little, uh, got started a little slow there. Um, that's but, okay. But uh, it's been, this has been just a beautiful time. We're going to take a break, um, folks. I hope you come back and join us in January. Um, we have some guests lined up. I can tell you that Christine Hong is lined up in the new year. That's going to be awesome. Um, also, um, gosh, a theologian from Princeton, and his name is escaping me right now, is going to be with us in February. But we got some guests uh, coming up I think you're going to really enjoy. Um, I, I, maybe the doll lecture, which was re, which was postponed, that Roger's supposed to give, that'll get rescheduled in 2020. Well, we're, we're hoping to do it on Zoom. Okay, good. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So some things to look forward to. Hopefully, you'll get to go back to Ghana. I know that's something you normally do. Get to go to the mountains. You know, we we got a lot to look forward to, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, I just want to say thanks again uh, to you. And I want to give you a couple of quick questions just for fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here at the end, um, my, um, I, they're gonna. I want to hear just in a sentence. Favorite Christmas tradition. Oh boy, you've stumped me there. I don't know what that would be. Um, um, Maybe it's ham. What? Ham. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Uh, what is your favorite Sesame Street character? Oh, you've you've you're aging me. <laughs> I'm way way way. Uh, okay. How about how about how about? Is there a Lord of the Rings? Is there a Lord no, of the? Rings? You're aging me too. Uh, so Captain Kangaroo. See, I can. I can <laughs> you probably don't don't even know who Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, I go. I go way, way back. Oh, we'll we'll call Rogers, Captain, Captain Kangaroo was a contemporary. I, I got Mr. Green <laughs> Jeans. I remember. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll, we'll give that a pass. What is the destination you definitely want to visit um, after the pandemic? We want to hike Scotland. Oh, nice. And go to oh, Iona. What, Iona. I know you've done the Rocky Mountains. Um, what is something you've done that you think probably nobody else uh, who listening has ever done or has never experienced? No, oh, geez, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know what that would be. But I know that there 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 have been those. I you know I'd have to think about that for a little bit. But okay, we'll something. come back. Yeah, we'll you come back. back to that. All right, your favorite your favorite professional sports team. Oh, I, it's without a question the na the Nationals, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know that they you know and and so I'm 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 passionate passionately connecting to the Nationals because they've got to make some off-season acquisitions so that they can contest with the Braves. Uh, and I hope they actually take them from the Braves. So to, to, to <laughs> keep the Braves, put them in the Nationals, that would be, that would be, that would give me great joy. Okay. The other team is Kansas City, and I won't name the name, Chiefs. They need to change the name. They absolutely need to change right. the Kansas yeah. City football team. Kansas City football team. They're, they're rocking and rolling. I grew up in Kansas City, 50-year 50 50 year passion for them. And they're finally good. <laughs> they're really good. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, hey, lots of fun with you. Thanks so much. I wonder if you would be willing to um, 
give a charge, a blessing uh, to those who gathered here. It's, um, you know, Advent is is a time of waiting, listening, uh, taking taking note, um, and um, but there's there's a lot lot to do, and it's hard work. And um, uh, I think a reminder. I was with a pastor this morning, and I said, you know, would it be okay if I pray with you? And and she said, yeah, you know. I said I can do that after the call, but she said, no, let's go ahead and start it. I think people are. We need to pray together. So I'd, I'd appreciate uh, your prayer, uh, your charge, absolutely. your blessing to us. I, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Lee, for doing this. And thank you for all of these. You've become you've become the, uh, I don't know, the Tonight Show of the Presbyterian Church or something <laughs> like that, except daytime. So thank you for doing this. Um, and it's been great being with you. So um, um, people be uh, fully in Advent uh, knowing that um, the one who comes in Advent is the one who will ultimately bring peace and justice to the earth. Mm. And for that, we are assured that the God of resurrection is always seeking to bring life out of the cruciform places of our lives and of the lives of others and in the world. And we pray that for a world that is sorely in need of it and lift up the brokenhearted and stand with the oppressed and let all that you do, all of it, be in love. Amen. Amen. Um, you didn't ask me, but my my favorite character, <laughs> my, my daughter says, you you know, you, you can learn a lot about somebody and they're saying some character. Mine is Bert, mine is Ernie. I don't know if you know Ernie. Ernie lived in a house with Bert. They were buddies. You can be my Bert anytime, you know, because <laughs> we can have a lot of fun. Uh, so you have to go watch a little Bert and Ernie. And I want to, uh, and I want to come to Louisville, have some more of that, uh, Kentucky bourbon. Please, in, in, the porch is wide open for you anytime in Francis. Uh, bless, blessings be with you. And um, friends, we'll look forward to seeing you again um, in, in January. Mm -hmm.